0: Friday, July 28th, and look at this. Your boy's got a collared shirt on. He must have a lunch appointment. He does. Welcome. It's good to have you back here on the Damon Bruce Show. Welcome back to the Plus. Good to see so many people already hanging out, chatting, betting on whether or not uh, the sip of the day will happen before or after the 11-minute mark. Well, uh, 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 oh, You know what? Ah, sip of the day, right off the rip. You should have taken the under. Should have taken that under today. Should have banged that under hard. Uh, it is really good to see you. We've got a fun short show for you this Friday. Like I said, daddy's got some work to go do. And uh, and it's going to be a kind of a, an interesting weekend as we get closer and closer and closer to the start of football season. But boy, baseball still all around us. The Red Sox are in town, which means there's going to be some big crowds downtown by the ballpark for the Giants all weekend. we got a great naming starting pitcher duel i mean we got some great names out there so uh we will get into all of that we'll get into training camp we'll get into the latest embarrassing news for the pac 12 and the big 12 is just in full-on take no prisoners mode but we have to begin with what the thumbnail said we'd be talking about today and that is mr shohei otani now i know that we have completely trademarked uh patented and um uh, we, we 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 are where Otani Tuesdays were born, right here, on Damon Bruce Plus. Otani Tuesdays, first person to ever put those two words together, I believe, on the planet. But we cannot wait until Tuesday to talk about what Shohei Otani did on Thursday, because Shohei Otani just had one of the single greatest days any baseball player has ever had at any level of baseball, any continent, any age group that has ever been played. I mean, there's when you then factor in, oh, this is Major League Baseball, this didn't happen on a Little League field, this didn't happen with 14-, 15-year-old kids. No, this is happening at the Major League level with well-paid grown adults everywhere trying to subvert what Shohei Otani does, and no one can stop this guy. No one can stop him. Yesterday, as the Angels are playing a doubleheader, he throws a near-no-hitter in the first game. A one-hit complete game shutout in game one, and then in game two, he comes back with two home runs. A near-no-hitter and two home runs to sweep both ends of a doubleheader, which this wasn't just a good day for Shohei. This was an actual good day for the Anaheim Angels, and you don't get to say that out loud very often these days. The Angels are just three games out of playoff position now. They got two White Sox pitchers coming in after they traded two top prospects for Lucas Giolito and change. It is a, uh, it's all of a sudden, are the Angels interesting? I don't know, but Shohei Otani is always the most interesting man on planet sports, and he proved it once again. Sarah Langs says Otani's the first player all time with a home run in one end of a doubleheader and a shutout in the other end, according to Elias Sports Bureau. It was Otani's first career shutout at the major league level. He's got 38 home runs so far in 2003. That gives him by far the most homers hit in a season by a player who's thrown at least one shutout. In that year, his second home run had a 116.9 mile per hour exit velocity. His 10th career home run with at least a 116 exit velocity. The only player with more such home runs since 2018 is Giancarlo Stanton. So again, Otani's not just hitting home runs, he's mashing, absolutely mashing home runs at a near hasn't been measured like this before from any one rate, except for only one other guy, Giancarlo Stanton. Like, Sarah goes on to point out, that's impressive in its own right, but even more so when we remember that this is from a player who leads qualified pitchers in opponent batting average. He's leading Major League Baseball in home runs hit and how hard it is to just pick up a hit off of him. It's remarkable. It's just simply remarkable. Um, otani currently leads baseball in OPS slugging percentage, home runs, opponents, batting average. He's tied for the league lead in triples. He's the first player to have a share of the major league lead in home runs, hit, and batting average allowed with minimum 70 innings pitched at the end of any given day since 1900. So he's done something that has not happened in 123 years. And he basically, he's done that many, many days so far this season. He's just absolutely remarkable. And even though it felt like, I mean, I remember doing shows with Ray where he would say, like, slow your roll. He's not the best ever. And I would say, no, actually, if we do, a th- if we just do away with the concept of small sample size and here's what you're looking at, here's what you're seeing. Do you understand what you're seeing? Uh, look, I don't mean to pat myself on the back here, but I think I understood Shohei Otani before an awful lot of people. I mean, I, people would tell me, why don't you get off his nuts, Damon? Why don't you stop rocking so much Shohei Ohtani love? Why? We're watching history every single day. And and look, suppose you don't like me. And if you don't, what are you doing here on the plus? I don't know. But thanks for stopping on by and hit subscribe. Maybe we'll become friends. Maybe we'll be hanging out on August 5th at our first ever Pluse meetup at Victory Hall. More details on that in just a little bit. And the Eventbrite, uh, the Eventbrite invitation is officially going to be distributed social media-wise uh, at the end of this show today. So please go ahead and sign up so we can get an approximate head count. We're not charging anyone to come. We just want to know how many people might be coming. Punch and pie. We'll be serving punch and pie. If you want a lot of people to come, tell them you got punch and pie. Again, not patting myself on the back, but uh, I, I recognize greatness before I think a lot of people wanted to admit that they were watching greatness. But you can forget about me telling you that Shohei Otani is the best player of all time. Forget my opinion. Use your own two eyes and the data that the man is putting back in front of you on a near game-by-game basis. He is absolutely, absolutely remarkable. He's one of one. So is my guy Ike. He feels like he's one of one, right? One of one sandwich proprietor who owns now nearly 100 stores throughout California. And if you're thinking about what you're going to be doing for lunch today, tomorrow, this weekend, next week, you want to order a little something for the office, why not go ahead and check out Ike's Catering? You can do that on the app as well. He's got two new premium sandwiches that are going to be unveiled to the world in early August. Again, I got a sneak peek. Wagyu pastrami is coming for you. Wagyu pastrami is coming for you on an Ike's menu. That's all you need to know. I should have had you at pastrami. Put the wagyu in front of it. Now, all of a sudden, there's a riot. Get yourself to Ike's. Get yourself a delicious sandwich for yourself, for you and someone else, for your entire office, you'll be glad that you did. If you are in San Francisco and you're feeling like a cheeseburger, get yourself to Uncle Boy's. And when you're done at Uncle Boy's with that cheeseburger, cheeseburger, you go back in, you get the lumpia, baby. The Lumpia is fantastic. The onion rings are great. The French fries are great. I'm an onion rings guy through and through. I'm a Lumpia guy through and through. And I love Uncle Boy's, the San Francisco original. In the Inner Richmond, pick it up on your way to or fro. A great-to-go burger at a price point. You're going to say, that works That absolutely works. I think all burgers are directly related to their price points. That Uncle Boy price point and the quality of burger, everything you get, it's just it makes it one of the best burgers in the entire city. And I say that without reservation. I said that before we got into business together. And let me tell you, I'm going to say the same thing about Blackened, because this is some of the best whiskey I've ever drank in my life. I got bottles upstairs. Whenever I show up to a friend's house now, they're like, hey, man, where's the Blackened? The word is spreading. Get yourself to BevMo. Pick yourself up a bottle. You want a reasonable price point on a bottle of whiskey. You got that. It is delicious. Make sure you pick up one for yourself, for a friend. It goes in well. Uh, it, It goes neat. It goes straight. It goes cocktails. Does whatever you want your whiskey to do. Get yourself some blackened whiskey. Love my sponsors. I also love a good name matchup when it comes to a pitching matchup, and we got one at 24 Willie Mays Plaza tonight, as the Red Sox come to town and again bring an always rabid fan base and all the history of the Boston Red Sox and all those East Coast uh, snowbirds who have moved to California and will gladly get in a car and drive 500 miles to go see them. We got Red Sox fans descending on the city of San Francisco today as they come into town for a pitching matchup that's got Logan Webb, and that's a great name, Against Cutter Crawford. That's a great name. A Cutter with a K, by the way. Which, if you're throwing Cutters in a Major League Baseball game, you want Ks with them. I like that. Cutter Crawford. Great name. So, Giants got a weekend series with the Red Sox. All these games are high leverage games as the Giants are trying to get over this Boston hump before they get into a four-game series early next week with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Obviously, anything in division, the price of poker goes up, and we'll see, what are we now, four days away from the major league trade deadline? Let's see what Farhan does this weekend to give the Giants a better chance to really be contenders because they're in the playoffs, kids. Do you want to go into the playoffs and deep? You need a little bit more help. You just want to appear in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, you can probably do that with what you got. But you want to appear in the playoffs and actually do something? You need a little bit more than what you got. So we'll see what Farhan does this weekend. An awful lot of eyes on the Giants. They need to play well on the field, and their general manager needs to set them up for success with a trade or two. Get one more starter, Farhan. Get yourself one more outfielder. Do it. Do it. The A's, meanwhile, are in Colorado. Um, that's as painful a series as there is to pay attention to in baseball, so we basically won't. What I can't help but pay attention to, though, is that You know, John Fisher, as we've said many, many times, is the embodiment of sports evil. And he pretty much proves it at every single turn. He gets to prove it to you. And he's proven it once again. Have you seen that the A's fans are trying to plan another reverse boycott? And the cheapest tickets to the newly scheduled reverse boycott is now being sold for $44 a pop. And normally to get into an A's game, it's about $10 a pop. So they are going out of their way to dynamically ticket price another reverse boycott plan for A's fans groups that are trying to make their voices heard. That SOB, God, he's the worst. He is really the worst. Now, I'd like to think just for a moment that this is an actual sign of worry by the A's and John Fisher that this is an actual level of concern that fans are expressing themselves so succinctly that their message is now falling not on deaf ears, but on ears that are beginning to listen to the plight of some fans and the coverage of the sell that team chant, the sell shirt. It's all been trending up in the last week or two around Major League Baseball. And I'd like to think that they're actually afraid that fans showing up to make a difference could scuttle their plans to relocate. Now, maybe that is completely naive of me. It probably is. This is where I feel like, you know, I've always got an angel and a devil on my shoulder. The angel is faceless. The devil's always Ray Ratto. <laughs> the devil's always Ray saying, uh, no, they don't care about fans. And he's usually right about that. And I don't think it's, it's, it's easy to shame the shameless. And John Fisher certainly checks the box of shameless. But I'd like to think that there's some concern that all of a sudden this bad attention directed at John Fisher might get in their way of what they want to do in Las Vegas. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that just be glorious if other major league owners are starting to talk amongst themselves saying, we just cannot give such a valuable side of the stick and hand it to a guy who drops the stick every single chance he gets. Now, you wouldn't think with NFL training camp open, right, that uh, <laughs> that we'd be leading today's show on a Friday with baseball. But that is how special Otani was just on Thursday. And really, when it comes to NFL training camp news, you know, I saw a couple breathless reactions Um you know, one of them coming from from Grant Cohn yesterday about how inaccurate the triumvirate, the quartet of 49ers quarterbacks were in practice. He's, he's walking off the field having a panic attack. And I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand. You're clearly trying to perform more than you're trying to inform. I, I just, look, I, I don't get it. Anyone who is trying to sell you drama about the 49ers quarterback position is like clearly new at this or doing it for reasons that are somewhere outside of relaying to you what has actually just happened. I I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I put out a a short video yesterday. You can go ahead and you can uh, click on it. You can see it. Uh, Or I'll just tell it to you right now. Basically, the video was this. Take every single bit of training camp news, put it on the back burner. There's only one bit of training camp news that should ever be on the front burner, and it's simply this. Was anyone hurt at training camp today? And if the answer is no, you had a good day at training camp. It's just that simple. No one got hurt. So that's a great day for everyone down in Santa Clara yesterday. And look, Brock's completion percentage might not have been state of the art on day one. Who cares? He's healthy and the arm strength looks to be right where it was last year. And for a guy coming off of a a surgery, that's what's important in day one. You know, the accuracy, the touch, the feel, that'll come back to him. You're telling me this is his first day out throwing for real on a football field, and you're going to get into the picadillos of, well, overthrew a guy, underthrew a guy a little bit. It'll all come back. It's like riding a bike to these guys. You want to talk about how, you know, Trey Lance fumbled a first snap? Not good. When I was down there, I saw him fumble a snap too. Look, there's a reason why Sam Darnold and Brandon Allen are in the room that's because Trey Lance might not be very good at this or he might be we still don't know and we're not going to find out probably between now and the beginning of the year so just relax on that shit calm down here's a little mental exercise to do in case you're right now looking at this saying nah Damon you're listening to the podcast and you're like nah man the you know m- m- snaps count Completion percentage counts, uh, training camp counts, everything that goes into the stew, it all matters. It comes out in the flavor of the regular season. Like, okay, maybe. I would also invite you to uh, remember that Mike Singletary used to be undefeated in the preseason. Remember that? Remember when Mike Singletary would be sporting a 4-0 record with the 49ers in preseason football, and then first quarter, week one, everything would fall apart, like, instantly? So calm down. And here's a little mental exercise for you. A little little something for you to do while you're sitting alone. You don't even need help with this mental exercise. You don't need a spotter. You can just do this by yourself. Are you ready? Ask yourself, what's the better day at training camp? Brock Purdy goes 8-for-8 on his throws, but Brandon Ayuk gets hurt? Or Brock Purdy is 0-for-8 on his throws, And everyone goes skipping off the field even healthier than they were when they got out of bed that day because everyone had just worked out. What's a better day at training camp? 8 for 8 and an injury? 0 for 8, nobody's hurt. I'll take 0 for 8, nobody's hurt coming off of an NFL practice field every single day of the week. What are we talking about? By the way, Kyle Shanahan will take that. Every member of the 49ers will take that. Brock Purdy will take that. Brock Purdy's agent will take that. Are you kidding me? It's training camp. We haven't even gotten to August yet. Oh, my God. He was two for eight on long balls, and he's overthrowing. You just got back throwing a football today. God, if being an overreactionary, breathless Pearl Clutcher is key to YouTube success. I'm going to tell you, I'm in a lot of trouble over here. I'm in an awful lot of trouble over here if I have to be performative, if I have to put on a performance to get you to be interested in what I'm saying. I'm in an awful lot of trouble if I have to pretend that Brock Purdy having a rough day first day back after an elbow surgery means anything other than, hey, it's good he's back. Maybe that's not sexy. Maybe I'm not sexy. Ah, I just, God almighty. Ooh, that almost qualified for the second sip of the day. That was another really good one. Every now and then, it's like you hit a, just a a, a a patch of coffee that's better than the rest of the cup of coffee. And you know what I'm talking about? Is this, this only happens to me? I don't know. Maybe it's a cooling down. Maybe it's a temperature thing. Maybe sips get better as the temperature drops. I wonder what my preferred sip temperature is. 160, 155? I don't know. I'm sure you don't care either. You want to hold your breath when it comes to training camp news? Did you see what happened to Joe Burrow yesterday? He scared the hell out of the entire Cincinnati Bengals organization. Joe Burrow had a non-contact injury that when you just looked at it, the way he started gingerly favoring his right leg and hopping around on his left I mean, it looked like a torn Achilles. It isn't, but it is a calf strain. Coming off his best year, the last thing Joe Burrow wants is any sort of injury that is going to get him off of the path that he's on right now. And that path is going to lead to him being the next highest paid player in the history of football. You know, if Justin Herbert just became number one annual average value, if Patrick Mahomes is still number one based on entirety of deal, Justin Herbert's looking to thread the needle between both of them in some way, somehow, and that'll be easier to do without a non-contact injuries. So let's see how quickly he gets back out on the field. But again, do you think anyone who saw... Joe Burrow limping in that moment started thinking like, "Geez, what is he today on his throws? Is he 7 of 14? Is he 4? Is he 4 of 9? Is he is he 10 of 10?" No, as soon as that injury occurs, that's all that matters. It's all that matters in training camp. Did anyone get hurt? Yes, bad day. Did anyone get hurt? No, good day. Everything else does not matter if those first two questions are am- answered emphatically. Nothing else matters. Do you remember when the Pac-12 was going to come raiding the Big 12 for schools? Remember that? That was a few years ago. Like when Berkeley was going through its stadium redesign, there was talk that they might go after the Big 12. They might go after Texas. The Pac-12 might be courting Texas. I remember doing a show on KNBR that night when that news came out, and I just said simply is they had squatters sitting in trees outside of Berkeley Stadium that you don't want Texas in the Pac-12 because football in Texas is more important than literacy is in Berkeley. Like, they're just a level of pandemonium down there that you don't want anything to do with. And of course, that rumor came and went, and it was much ado about nothing. They ended up adding on to the stadium in, in in Berkeley, and they do they got a great stadium. Cal's got a great facility; it really does. But man, how things have changed! Things are just they could they could they could they could, they could not be worse for the Pac-12, right? How does it get worse? How does it get worse for the Pac-12? Well, what if three other schools left? And you know what? That might happen. The Big Ten began the exodus of the Pac-12's uh, nobility when they took the single most valuable Pac-12 football property from the conference. That, of course, is UC uh, USC. And then also took their rival, UCLA, which might not be the most important football team in the conference, but is absolutely the most important basketball team in the conference Colorado let's face it wasn't even that important until Dion got there and immediately the Pac-12 was saying just back in May how Dion was about to become the face of the conference going forward well uh that'll last one season because in 2024 Colorado University, CU will see you later, Pac-12, and is joining the Big 12. And the Big 12 says that it's not done. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are all now on the Big 12's radar. Sports Business Journal wrote, The Big 12 will add between one and three schools to join Colorado in 2024. The league will... First, seek other Pac-12 members to join. And if none do so, the Big 12 would add a group of five school to reach an even number of members in 2024. The conference is eyeing the four corner schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah and Colorado to join in the move. Oregon and Washington are also possibilities from the Pac-12. Arizona is the most likely Pac-12 candidate to join Colorado. The group of five candidates being considered if needed are UConn, Memphis, San Diego State and UNLV. Uh, SMU apparently is also a possibility, but there are already four big 12 schools in the state of Texas. Do they really need a fifth? Meanwhile, not only is the PAC 12 unable to hold on to what it's got. Did you just hear how San Diego state could be considered by the big 12? San Diego State, you figure, would be the number one draft pick of the Pac-12. So not only does the Pac-12 need to worry about the schools that they have, they need to worry about the schools that they might want to add because those could be off of the table too. This is extraordinary. This is absolutely extraordinary. And the Pac-12, yesterday issued the single most not paying attention to their own headlines, limp-wristed bullshit statement you have ever seen. It reads... The Pac-12 is compromised of world-leading universities and athletic programs who share a commitment to developing the next generation of leaders supporting student-athletes' academic and athletic excellence and broad-based athletic success. We remain committed to our shared values and to continuing to invest in our student-athletes. Today's decision by the University of Colorado has done nothing to disrupt that commitment. We're focused on concluding our media rights deal and securing our continued success and growth. Immediately following the conclusion of our media rights deal, we'll embrace expansion opportunities and bring new fans, markets, excitement and value to the Pac-12. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You couldn't get fans excited based on what you had, and you had two schools in Los Angeles. What are you talking about? I mean, you're talking about adding Boise State. Do you think that is going to go ahead and maybe, you know, rev up the Pac-12 to become the Conference of Champions and Elite, no one's going to notice that USC and UCLA aren't there anymore? What are you talking about? You're about to come courting San Jose State, for God's sakes. Boise State, San Jose State, San Diego State, those three schools might honestly look at the Pac-12 and be like, nah, You know, if the Pac-12 decided to pivot to like, well, we kind of screwed the pooch on football. Let's try to be a great basketball conference. Gonzaga might look at the Pac-12 and be like, nah, not interested. What media deal at the conclusion of our media rights deal? What conclusion of your media rights deal? You've been looking for a media rights deal for five years. What are you talking about? at our conclusion of our media rights deal, conclude, end it, get it done, sign it today. I don't even care what the dollar amount is. If it's $1, it's more than no dollars, and right now you're offering no dollars. It's insane. You got two commissioners just slow playing everything, back-to-back. Larry Scott, George Kliakoff, That might be the worst back-to-back duo commissionerships of all time. The conference is disintegrating. These guys are twiddling their thumbs. Big Twelve, that uh, dude, 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 that real statement from the Pac-12. Let me go ahead and put the real Pac-12 statement through uh, through the little, you know, plus Truth machine. Boop, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. Here's what it should have read. The Pac-12 statement should have read, and I wrote this down. I wanted this to be good. Here's the statement. If we could funnel it through the prism of truth, it should read, "We." The remaining Pac-12 institutions are collectively shitting our pants. Our last two commissioners have been so thoroughly outmaneuvered at every conceivable turn, we no longer know which end is up. The media package we're negotiating today, you would assume, would have to be dramatically altered and lawyers will come start circling if Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah all left too. We have screwed this up beyond belief. We are now the Sun Belt Conference, kind of. Now that UCLA is out, and if Arizona should follow, we can't even position ourselves as a major basketball conference, and we would be turned down by Gonzaga, for Christ's sakes. You know, what was going to be your biggest Pac 12 draw basketball wise? Let's be honest. It was about to be Bronny James at USC and medical reasons might not ever have him playing organized basketball again. If it wasn't bad luck, the Pac-12 would have absolutely no luck. Unbelievable. Unbelievable turn of events and the wheel ain't done turning and the Big 12 is literally kicking this conference's teeth in and out. They're curb stomping the Pac-12. Curb-stomping the Pac-12 is what the Big 12 is doing. So there you go. I told you, I promised you, I'd never waste your your time with the other things, the stuff that doesn't matter. Those are the big stories this Friday afternoon. It's a, a part of this year where baseball's in its dog days. Football is coming. Uh, we're, we're seeing this conference realignment story really start just start destroying the credibility of a once great conference. And it feels like so many of those wounds were avoidable, self-inflicted driven by greed. Uh, just, I, 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 I cannot believe what is happening to the PAC 12. And look, maybe the Bay area has never been that big of a college football entity. If the Pac-12 is now going to basically say like, it's up to the Bay Area to carry us through this. You're, you're in trouble. You're in an awful lot of trouble because Stanford and Cal are just hoping to get 35,000 students into their own stadiums. That's it. Neither school is going to be particularly good this year. Here's, here's what the Pac-12 actually has. One more year of USC and Caleb Williams to look at, and you got Michael Penix up in uh, Washington to sell as a possible lurking Heisman stalking horse. That's it. That's what the conference has to offer. That's bad. That is bad. We're going to slip on into Club Plus here on YouTube. If you're tuning in on the podcast, thank you so very very much. I want to invite you and remind you one more time that we're having our first ever gathering. We're getting together as one big Plus family. Come join me, Jillian. We'll have the kids maybe around. Uh the the Duchess is going to be in town. The in-laws are going to be popping on in. Friends and family alike, come on in and meet the Bruces at Victory Hall, it's a watch party scheduled right in the same time that we are going to be getting A's and Giants from over in Oakland. We're going to be watching at Victory Hall from 3 o'clock to the end of the game, hanging out, having fun, and whiskeys coming through, pouring drinks and cocktails. It's going to be a really, really good time. Keep an eye on your social media feeds for that Eventbrite sign-up And please do go ahead and sign up if you plan on coming so we can have an idea as to how many people are showing up. We're not charging a thing. We're not trying to make any money off of this. We just want to say thank you for helping us get off the ground in the first place. We are officially over 6,800 subscribers out as of this morning, an incredibly humble number in the grand scheme of things, but without a doubt, a great start as well in the grand scheme of things. And that is because of you. And I thank you. Jillian thanks you. And we'd like to thank you in person on August 5th, three o'clock victory hall, rich street in San Francisco, more of an alley than a street, but we hope to see you there. We really do keep an eye out for that. Invent bright sign up on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on threads and whatever the hell else where, I don't know where, where else do we have to post things? I don't even know. It feels like enough. It really does. We're about to hop in the club, Plus, though. Thank you so much for tuning in. And please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone.